Hello, welcome to Moltano, a podcast about arts and culture and just the state of human nature and society in general. Things have changed, but they've kind of stayed the same, but isn't that always the case? There will be guests, either weekly, monthly, yearly, who knows? But I've decided to try and strengthen the bond between myself and a blood relative blood relative being my brother. We're quite far away from each other. Quite, quite far. Thousands and thousands of miles away. Some would say even across an ocean. And I figured the best way for us to keep in contact is to just randomly call each other and just talk about whatever it is that's bothering us at the moment. Just talk how we normally talk. This particular episode, I haven't decided if I'm going to edit it out or not, so there's a surprise. I, I make reference to the fact to him that we're recording the episode <laughs> um, and that this is the first of many so this could be the first and last I'm hoping not um, but um, he says that he wants to because he's referencing a previous conversation we had that was not recorded that he had wanted to start recording episodes so he was like I'm going to get this equipment blah blah and I was like dude I already did it um, and I just it's just this constant need of mine to just have people be rest assured. Um, the music I create, uh, the films that I make, uh, these podcasts that I make, the books that I write, everything is just to make you feel comfortable and not in some weird Orwellian safe kind of way like, oh, everything's going to be okay, go back to sleep. Um, that's even pseudo perfect circle, deep cut. Um, no, it's, it's more like, no, you have so many tools at your disposal to make a different decision. Even if you aren't the one presenting the decisions, that's a time travel callback to this episode. Um, to be okay with the choices that you make. And that if you're not okay with them, it's okay if you make another choice. That... I guess kind of calling back to the Hitchhiker's Guide, kind of the most important two words given to us, handed on down middle <laughs> from Douglas Adams himself. Don't panic. You can, but there's really no point. The concept of fight or flight uh, is describing an instantaneous moment, not an active action, not something that goes on uh, in successive moments you are either fighting and moving on from the situation or moving on from the situation and to revel in the concept of oh I might have to fight or I might have to run is wasting time you could get hit by a Mack truck either in that example or in real life so just move past it you can get to the answer of whatever question you have if you just give your time give yourself enough time to think and I guess to finish out that horrible slip, give your time enough time to play itself out. Because we all have time and not all the time in the world. So use your time wisely. I tried to fix that. I hope that sounded more eloquent than it actually sounded to myself. I'm also hoping that this doesn't sound like a whisper. <laughs> I'm just not a yeller. 
Unless I'm incredibly passionate about something, then I'll just ramble and start getting louder and louder and louder and louder. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's with the new co-host, with the co-host, the co-host just with the most. Sorry, that was. You're gonna hear sorry. I'm not Canadian. I'm American. It's not slight to Canadians. I, I, a lot of my friends are Canadian. That's it. That's a um, a time travel callback <laughs> and a shitty impersonation of Donald Trump. Um, man, and I was just thinking about that earlier that I saw an interview with someone. I'm not saying the name because I don't want to denigrate anyone. But I saw an interview with someone and they mentioned one candidate before they mentioned another candidate. And I was just thinking about how not only other people, but I clearly did. Um, how uh, how people could uh, construe that as, oh, this person has th- this individual on their mind first and foremost, as opposed to the other. And in this instance, I did not mention Hillary Clinton first, as opposed to mentioning someone else. <laughs> that's running in the campaign. So it's just hilarious that I tri- tripped, stumbled and fumbled over my own hurdle that I saw and tried to circumnavigate. See, I'm human. That's not for you. That, that was for me. No, so I could remember. You're, you're human. You're human. You're human. Okay. Um, here's the podcast. So, I had to <laughs> I had to transport a student on crutches. So, uh, I had to help them like walk to the second floor of their apartment because, of course, they couldn't live on the first floor. <laughs> it happened. They almost tripped and fell down the steps. So that was interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, good times. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it going, man? <laughs> oh, oh, it's 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 all right, man. It's it's going. Uh, that's not a that's not a negative thing. I've just had a lot to process. Um, I've been watching these. I fell down a rabbit hole on YouTube uh, because I was on Wikipedia looking at stuff having to do with uh, time travel because I'm working on the next film. That's what this music was, you know, the genesis of all that. I touched on that before, like uh, the classical and the more progressive rock and hip-hop album that was written in the in the spirit in the mindset in the world of this next film and after i got all that out um and started getting all this positive all these positive responses on instagram on facebook then when i was back in the process of writing it i was doing just research for stuff so things are just historically accurate and philosophically accurate and I ended up crossing paths, um, document-wise, with The Matrix. Ah, um, okay. And, you know, I, yeah, I already saw it and all that jazz, but there was a documentary that was considered the official documentary uh, that was the behind-the-scenes for the first Matrix movie. It's two, about, like, two and a half hours long. 
first hour and a half is a behind the scenes of the first Matrix movie, how they did all these different stunts and different philosophical stuff, all, all this jazz. Um, and then the next two half hour segments are Reloaded and Revolutions. And in the side panel for that on YouTube, it had, you know, like other suggestive videos. And this other video was this hour and a half video that just not only had the Wachowskis in it, but it had other, um, like the storyboard artists, as well as, you know, professors and modern day science fiction authors and just all these people talking about the philosophy of all three movies. So you had this documentary that was made during the production of Reloaded and Revolutions that was talking about the making of the first movie and what it's like to take on the creative endeavor of the second and third films and just kind of teasing things. And then this documentary that took, that was filmed, or I guess, you know, two or three years after uh, all three movies came out and all these people saying like, oh no, we totally understand why people didn't get it. But kind of okay. here's different ways to interpret this. Okay. And, but not in any kind of, you know, like, oh, the world you're living in now is a matrix or you're living in a conspiracy world, nothing like that. It's just looking at real world philosophers and their ideas, as well as uh, other forms of literature, you know, graphic novels, films, television, all that jazz, how all those different things informed what that trilogy was trying to put across. Right. And it all was pertinent with what I'm doing with Omni because I needed to make the arc relatable and I didn't want to have a I, I didn't want to have a love interest and I didn't want to have an expected antagonist so I didn't want to have a companion in a Doctor Who style that either is you know trying to help them stay the way that they are or uh, that person changes and solidifies who the protagonist is I didn't want that because that's something can, that can be done and is done in other places I didn't want to have it be where there's either the concept of an outer society or the government that this protagonist is fighting against, uh, or a personification of it um, through, you know, some quote-unquote bad guy villain uh, that this traveler has to contend against and then find themselves through that. I didn't really want to do that just because that's kind of what you would expect. Not to say that this third path that I was going down anyways when I started doing this research uh, hasn't been done before. It has. Um, so I have a lot of that going through my head as well as I'm going to go help on election day at a precinct. Right, right, yeah, you mentioned Yeah, yeah, so I already know, like, oh, I got to be up at four in the morning and then be there at about five and then start up at a place like 5.30 and then it's from 5.30 to like 10 o'clock at night. Um, I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Hmm. This is my own personal opinion. And I'm only basing this on the fact that Obama's won twice in a row. Hmm. Hillary's going to win. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't mean to start my sentence with a uh. <laughs> I believe that, too. I think the fear is that um, the indifference of that reality or that fact is causing the fear of some that it, it may not be true. Well, I think the problem is that Trump is a good uh, uh, publicist. Oh, yeah. Like, he's got to sway public opinion. And they've been able to put out enough attack ads that have made it seem like, well, people, instead of voting for Hillary, just won't vote. And that's right. not what they're going to do. Yeah, no, no. 
that's that's what I'm saying. Like I, I think the fear that he will win is stemmed from, oh well, you know, like you said, like people don't want her to be elected, so they'll vote for him. Or there are so many people that actually believe what he's saying that that amount will quote unquote <laughs> trump the amount of people that would vote for Hillary. Uh, and I don't believe any of those scenarios would be the case. I, I you know, I, I think there's enough people that would vote for him that it would make it like. Like, oh, okay, so, you know, those individuals exist. So maybe 30, 40%. Yeah, it's gonna, I don't even it's want to say 45%. People. I don't want to say that because it could be a close race and I could be just wrong. But I, I don't see it being some kind of landslide for Trump. And people are like, holy, holy shit, I didn't see this coming. We, we yeah. should have paid more attention. It's just that's impossible. And I know they should, you know, they always say you never say never. But I, we don't live in an idiocracy world. Not yet. As much as people fear, yeah, like you said, like you just said, yet we we don't live in a world where there's that many people that would mess it up for everyone. There's an amount of them. There's a good amount of people that would mess it up just for personal uh, ideals or beliefs. But you know, <laughs> the majority of people that are actually going to take time out of their day to go vote by the yeah. time they're actually in there. They could have said everything they were going to say up till that point. By the time they're actually in there, and then they look. Because like I told you, I got mine in the mail. So I was looking at it, and you look at it, and you're like, this is kind of obvious. <laughs> you see Donald Trump, you see all your kind of like, just from an obvious level, why would you circle in Donald Trump? It doesn't even make sense. Just knowing to be honest, it's, it's a reminder, and I feel like that's the thing. Like People keep doing this thing like, oh, Obama was elected. Racism can't exist anymore. Mm. And then it's like, then Trump comes along. It's like, no. Obama being elected wasn't showing that racism doesn't exist. Obama being elected was showing that the minority now has enough power to vote in a president. That's yeah. all it was showing. It has nothing to do with like racial equality or whatever. Like it's the people that still hate Hillary, hate Hillary, and almost everything that I've heard has been because she's going to keep doing the the, the, the Obama way, right? The Obama of. Uh, dictatorship i've heard that shit before and i was like dude if, if obama was a fucking dictator this whole goddamn country would be different oh yes yes uh, like i don't think people understand what the fuck the word a dictator is like they don't understand what that term really means because i believe to throw that shit around as loosely as people do on like the trump side the republican side they don't like say oh dictator right but dictators in every country that is, there's a dictator when they make a decision that shit happens obama's got a bunch of shit that hasn't happened yeah, he's got some things that he's passed, like Obamacare, but like the whole like closing Guantanamo and a bunch of other like, things. There's a bunch of shit that he's tried to do that just hasn't worked because they've been like, no, you can't. Right. Because if he shit. did, he would be a dictator. Um, right. A lot of the things that people fear are the same, are in the same realm of things that people love, which is uh, ideals. So people love the ideal of uh, living in a socialized state as well as fearing the idea of living in a socialized state. But both of those ideals are just fantasies. We don't actually live in a socialized state. But both of those individuals will act as if. And I, I think the, the, the real job of not so much a politician, but just a spokesperson of any cause, is to try and bring people back to reality. You know, like they're going to be speaking from a pulpit to the choir, as it were. Uh, but their job is to kind of say, okay, yes, we believe in these things, but in order to do the things that we want to do, we have to act this way and do these things. And when you look at 
the candidates that are out there just from the main parties because they're you know other individuals from other parties and there are other pros and cons that come with them but uh, when you look at what it is that they're trying to do and what it is that they say there's a lot more of what it is that Hillary Clinton is actually trying to do as opposed to what she's saying and it's the exact opposite with Trump there's a lot of things he's saying but you don't really hear anything of how any of that stuff would get done you know, it's, it's, it's all in, yeah. A lot of places would if somebody wasn't paying attention. That's <laughs> kind of how that works. Um, Sorry, but, go ahead. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, but yeah, uh, with him, uh, like I said, a lot of the things not um, adding up to how they would actually get enacted. And for whatever reason, people don't pay attention to what is actually going on around them. Uh, they're they're acting as if things could get either worse or better. Right. They don't take any kind of appreciation or satisfaction in what's going on right now, you know, or right. anything that they work towards, you know. So you have people that are in any way, shape, or form Trump supporters, and they're acting as if, oh, anything that was enacted by this person that doesn't look like me in the last eight years is wrong by proxy because of everything that I've learned in my life. I haven't okay. listened to this person speak. I haven't listened to anyone that's around them speak. I've only listened to people who listen to that person speak. So commentators, uh, news reporters, uh, journalists, bloggers, all that jazz. And so they then decide, okay, well, I'm going to respond to that emotion or to that uh, future hellscape, <laughs> whatever, they, whatever they're feeling or believing. Um, they, they respond accordingly. And then on the other side, um, there's that, which is weird, it, it shifts a lot, but now I guess it's, like I said, that that oddly apathetic fear of, oh, well, if enough people on our side don't do something, then that side will win and have that person as president. Right. But both of those worlds, they've been like, okay, so even if he was president, we know what that scenario is. It's Bush from 2000 to 2008. We know how right. bad it could be. Right. Okay? So we, we don't have to have a fear of, oh, if this happens, then the world will fall apart. No, it won't. It will keep going forward, and actually a lot of good things will end up happening. But it will be outweighed by all the bad. Right. right. Okay? But you don't have to act as if, okay, so then if that happens, then it's the end of the world. No, there's still senators and House representatives and state legislators and philanthropists no, non okay. Let me let me hold on. Hold on. Let me let me call you back. <laughs> yeah, man. Sorry. Yellow. Oh Jesus. What's I'm up? out here doing fucking PR work and counselor and God damn it. Mm -hmm. Fucking students' parents called because he was underage drinking on campus. Okay. And you know a lot of kids do it, but he's a prospective student. And his parents, his dad's like, you know, oh, it's ruined his chances, blah, blah, blah. And, also, and I had to talk him down for like almost an hour 
off a ledge of like, I can't believe this, blah, blah, all this stuff. And it's like, his son apparently didn't give him the full story. Because okay. as his son was talking to me, his, his father asked for the phone back, and he's like, well, I didn't get that side of the story before, but you got to understand what I'm saying. I was like, look, I get you're mad. I'm a dad. Like, I can understand you thinking that, you know, you don't want this to ruin his chances. But be honest, because he was like, I'm going to call the school. I was like, to be honest, if you call the school, they're definitely going to read the report. They get a lot of reports. It's possible they may not read it. If it turns into something, it's a it's a bridge to cross when that happens. Yeah. But, you know, like, I can't, like, I, I was like, I'll be honest with you. I don't think this has ruined his chances of going to this school. Because mm-hmm. originally I had charged him because there was a sergeant that was like, you need to charge him. Which, if, if people want to start throwing people under the bus, I got the sergeant on tape being like, you should charge him, and me being like, I don't think I should. Yeah. So if we want to go that route, I'm throwing everybody up. Like, if I'm going down, I'm taking everyone with me. <laughs> Bur- burned ground and scorched earth. And I know enough people that I can, I can probably get something done. I can get some traction. You want to you fire and throw under the bus the first black officer who's done nothing but try and help out students and be responsive and, and, and be courteous and professional and stuff in a way that a lot of other people on this campus are not? Okay. All right, let's see how far we can take that. I'll bring everybody in this bitch. I'll own a building when I'm done. Let me stop. Uh, but yeah, so there's uh, there was that, and I was, I was trying to smooth that over. When I when I got off the call, the other officers literally almost stood up and clapped. They were like, I don't know how you kept your composure and just like, t-. they were like, I didn't hear what he was saying on the other side, but based off your side of the conversation, I would have told that motherfucker, you know what? Fine then, deal with it. And it just hung up. And I was like, I, I have composure. They're like, you have the, they say, they just said like the temperament or the patience of Job. And I was like, I mean, you know, I, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of how you have to treat everyone and everything. It's not indifferent or passive or condescending. It's just treating it for what it is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of kind of buying into someone else's mindset of what the situation is to them, you know, paying attention to like, okay, what it actually is to everyone, you know, and then just moving on. Instead of like, oh, well, it could be this, or it could be the, yeah, yeah, it really could be, but. So it could be a bunch of things, but it probably won't be. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's going to be okay. He's going to be in class tomorrow. <laughs> I would assume, right? No, he's he's a prospective student, so he's back oh. in Florida. Oh, okay, so. okay. Well, they'll be in class uh, in the spring. <laughs> yeah. His dad was like, I don't want this to hurt his chances, and blah, blah, blah. And all I'm thinking is, Wake Forest is not going to pass up the potential of y'all throwing a bunch of money at this school. Yeah. Over him not getting charged with something. Even if I did say originally he was going to get charged, y'all can contest it, and I'll be like, yeah, you know what? I didn't take a blood alcohol. I don't have anything to go off of to say that he was actually drunk. I didn't do an alcohol sensor. I didn't do... I didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. Why didn't I do it? Because it was a medical call. He, they were saying he needed help, and he was. I was trying to get him assistance. You know, he got with his mom. I had originally charged him because this sergeant told me I needed to, and you can see on the recording, I originally said I wasn't planning to, but he said charge him. Like, not I think you should, but he said charge him. And I was like, I called him afterwards and told him blah, 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 and called him on a record, like the police department recorded line, called him and explained to him that he was not being charged, that he did not have to come back from the original call, and explain to them through the whole situation. Like, I did a lot of damage control for you, motherfuckers. Y'all want to throw me under the bus? Let's get it. <laughs> like, I'm good at my job. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I don't, this isn't, this doesn't have to be the last job for me, but when I do something, I'm fucking amazing at it. And I'm doing a good goddamn job here. 
Like, I have not met a single student that hasn't gone from, like, belligerent and pot- potentially assaultive to apologetic and, like, oh, my God, you're so professional. And the parents calling and sending emails thanking me and all that. Like, okay, fuck with me. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm better at this than a lot of people here, especially some of the supervisors who have never been police officers before. Like, let's yeah. not – trust me, you don't want to go there with me. Well, yeah, it's – you know, it's it's knowing your strengths. And, and yeah. when you're working in a particular uh, profession – you know, to do your job as best as you possibly can and not judge someone that's, you know, not doing what you're doing. You know, <laughs> I can't. It's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. Never ends. Um, but, yeah, just to finish out what I was saying before, um, right. just a lot of people just in the normal political arena, they kind of go out of their way to live in a future belief system. Like, oh, if we get this measure passed or... If we get this vote passed or if we repeal this measure or whatever, then everything's going to be okay, you know? Right. Uh, and that's whatever political line, and it doesn't necessarily help anyone for anything. Uh, but the fear that, oh, come election day, um, there's going to be this groundswell of people that will automatically believe that being overtly racist is okay. Um, taking rights and privileges away from people is okay. Um, rounding up and detaining people because they're of a different ethnicity and sending them back to their country, that that's okay. Um, that any of those things, and then a plethora of other things, that any of that is okay, um, and, and that they would vote for that. It, it, it's, it's insane to believe that that would actually be the case. And if it was, like I mentioned earlier, it would mean that we live in some pseudo-idiocracy prequel where right. things are going drastically, and they just, they can't. They can't be, and the reason for that, people like their life too much. Even if they say all the stuff that they say, they like that they can go and do all the things that they need to do when they do them. Whether that's getting that 12 or 6 or 24 pack of beer, or that giant bag of Doritos, or that Carl's Jr. or Hardee's or Burger King, wherever your fast food chain locations are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Right. To get the things that, you know, Netflix on their big screen TV at their house. You know, it's been a long time since I've been to someone's house and they didn't have a big screen, side note. Um, in at least one room. Yeah. Um, which helps change the dynamic of watching films, but that's kind of another convo, but not really. Um, yeah, man, that's the reason why I, uh, whatchamacallit, I have the TV I do. Mm. Well, which yeah, I don't get I'm to enjoy. It. I'm not denigrating it, I'm just saying. What happened? I said, I don't get to enjoy it nearly. Like, I bought the TV with the intention of, like, I'm going to watch, like, Star Wars on it, whatever. I work so much. And between working and, like, making sure, like, Lucas is taking care of it, him watching, like, you know, Octodos and then Magic School Bus, I barely ever get to use the TV for, like, me watching. I usually end up in the room, which is still, like, a 42-inch TV, watching that TV and then going to sleep. Like, it, I have, like, a 65-inch TV that's, like, some ridiculous resolution mounted on the wall over a fireplace that I'm like, yeah, I could watch some stuff. And I just, no. Never watch it, and it's like you said. Like it's, I like the status quo, mm. and not that I'm, I'm, I'm incapable of thinking of the future being different. I would like to have more money. I would like to have more access to things, but I wouldn't want it to change so drastically that like everything gets up ascended. You know, like, right? And oh, and, you know, well, I was just gonna say, and in that vein, maybe that's kind of the the weird present state that most of us, if not all of us, are living in at the very least in quote-unquote first world countries, that we, the the dream, like whatever country you're living in, let's just say ours, American dream, was, oh man, one day it's going to be crazy cool. Like, jetpacks, 
and electric cars and your windows are going to be able to change into different backgrounds so you could be anywhere in the world whenever you want to be and you can talk to anyone that you want whatever you want you know what i mean like all kinds of stuff and i'm just saying from like world war ii so the 1940s slash 50s forward and when the internet hit and then you could just kind of ask any question you want and i don't mean you know i mean like you know google it like you can type in something find something out or read an article or talk to someone you know and end up in a chat room icq back in the days or now you know just on facebook um i think people are still living as if oh something really cool is going to happen not realizing all this really cool stuff is happening all around them all the time so when right. something bad happens they're reacting the way that the technically like 1940s 50s mindset of oh everything's going to be cool one day so let's use all the laws and morals that we normally use to take care of all the people that are acting the way that they are not realizing that there are so many resources and tools at everyone's disposal to take care of everyone and everything and then allow for a different way of moving forward i think that's where the disconnect is cuz think about it honestly like when people would watch you know like et or they would watch jaws or they would watch 2001 a space odyssey or they would read um great expectations or war and peace or moby dick or you know they have weird conversations with their aunts and uncles on some weird vacation when they were a kid their minds would everyone all of us our minds would expand and believe that so much is possible right but we would be hindered by you know up until really like 2002 2003 you were hindered by oh you got to get to a telephone to call someone oh you got to wait for the the newspaper to get that information to you you got to get to a tv to let you know some kind of information or someone to find out cuz they saw some episode of something cuz they had it on vhs you know right. like all of that stifled your ability to be rest assured in the belief that your fear of what you need to get today or tomorrow or next week won't be there for you to get it. So okay. Yeah, you, I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? So now that those the ways that we used to be informed of how the future could become, you know, like the examples I gave and then like, you know, the Jetsons. <laughs> um we now are inundated with so many different ways like what we were talking about before, like uh stranger things uh being kind of a thing of like the 80s or black mirror you know right. um twilight zone uh, all these different ways of like oh this is how things could be and then people could take that and run with it and be like oh man you know i mean twilight zone episode uh, that super crazy cliche and famous but uh the burgess meredith is a librarian and then a bomb goes off and he's the only one alive and he can read everything and his glasses break and he's like damn it Is that Burgess Meredith? <laughs> yeah, technology, beautiful. Uh and he's like, "Damn it." And everything uh is like, "Oh, the world's come to an end." A lot of people take that as like, "Oh, well, you know, not only is uh solace uh not to be found in be finally being alone, but we still have this pending death of uh pending fear of nuclear war." So we have to keep acting accordingly, you know. and i only say that because a lot of times when i would hear like commentators talking about like oh the cold war or anything referring to the cold war there's a good chance that it would 
make some kind of reference to either a Twilight Zone episode or that particular one. And it just shows that people are using different forms of media or art to reinforce their beliefs. And if they're doing that, then that means that it's just a a plausible uh, ideal or concept that we could possibly be living in a utopian-type paradise, and we're acting as if we're living in a dystopia. Yeah, things are amazing right now. I mean, right now, I'm talking to you on my iPad. And ten years ago, that would have been impossible. Impossible. We have a crappy connection... And, you know, just even life circumstances, it would have just been a different, we would have had no need to do that. But let's just say it was just the same scenario 10 years ago, somehow. You know, it would have been drastically different. And right. now it's just a matter of, I mean, it was so easy that, like you saw, the, the, <laughs> the call dropped and you called. But what you couldn't see, which I'm sure you've seen before, the screen stayed the same. But it showed somebody saying, like, hey, do you want to end the call you're currently on and accept the call that's coming in? Do you want to disregard the other... You know what I mean? Like, it's it's so simplistic. It's like you don't have to think anymore. You know? And, and the fact that people still complain about stuff that they don't have to think about is crazy fascinating. Regarding the politics thing. I know it's, you know, extrapolating all kinds of stuff. But regarding the whole, like, oh, should it be Trump or should it be Hillary? It's like, you don't even have to think about that. You don't have to think about that. Because tying it to all your other beliefs, like, oh, racial beliefs or socioeconomic beliefs or uh, beliefs about arts and media, there's a truth and a falseness to a lot of those beliefs. And if you believe some of the things that are just moralistically deplorable, then there's an obvious answer to what you should or shouldn't be doing next. And funnily enough, it's just as in line with somebody who has a a uh, moral compass that seems to be normally pointing north. Let's just say north is the right direction. You know, there's, there's yeah. no... <laughs> there's, towards Polaris. There's no real reason to vote for Trump other than spite. And if, right. if you're doing... If you're then acting out of spite because you're saying, well, I believe in this country, and then ellipses, anything coming after it, I believe in this country, then you then should, at the end of that thought process, then vote for Hillary or anyone else. But there's no, Trump, there's Trump no is the logical reason what for America currently is. And America currently is very good for everybody. Like, I know people think that, like, oh, at one time it was better for, like, let's say Caucasians than it was everybody else. Mm. And now it's a little bit more equal. It's like, right. But this is the only time in history where it's been extremely, I would say balanced, but it's a lot more balanced than it's ever been before. Okay. And it's like, for you to say, oh, well, I, I, I wish that, you know, I missed the days of yesteryear and blah, blah, blah. It's like, right, but then that means that you're saying that you wish it was unequal, mm. and you wish it was back to, like, recession times and, like, you know, industrial revolution, like, everybody's struggling all the time. And, I mean, you can want that. Like, I, you know, I can't fault you for saying, like, that, that needs to be what you have happen. Mm. But understand that if you do that, you're pushing yourself into a position that you don't... Uh, you don't really want to be in. Like, you're not going to want the jobs that you're saying you're going to deport people for. Mm. It's just the truth. Yeah, well, that's definitely one one side of it, you know, and, and those two candidates being the embodiment of those ideals. Trump being, oh, well, I, I, I can, <laughs> quote, unquote, make America great again, just like with George Bush, you know, uh, making America great again, or Nixon making America great again. Like, 
and whether it had racial tinges to it or not, um, this idea that, oh, America can be 1950s again. It can be happy days, you know? And the other candidate is kind of the embodiment of future potential. And, and again, it's like both of them are still the embodiment of either the past or the future, not what you can do right now. And none of, none of what any of them can say can actually impact what you're going to do on a day-to-day basis. Now, it, you can't, funnily enough, apply that same kind of logic to state and local representatives in government because you can just, you can much, it's a lot easier to see whom and whom isn't corrupted. You know, when it comes to... That's um, so why I don't have a Twitter account. I want people having a fucking paper trail of my bullshit. Well, that's the thing. It's, you know, on the one hand, you can in, uh, digitally incriminate yourself with wanton acts of drunken stupidity online. Uh, but at the same time, you can be smart about it and either get rid of it or justify it in a comedic way. Because the moment you come out in some kind of antagonistic way um, uh, yeah antagonized antagonistic way um, then you come off as oh why are you being so defensive yeah. right well, yeah but if, if you come off as like hey I was having a conversation between me and a complete stranger online who just straight out attacked me so I just attacked them from a place that was oh what was the time 237 in the morning but where me and that person is right now we're great <laughs> so uh, next question. You know, like that's that's the beginning, middle, and end of that kind of quandary. But if you if you go about it the way that let's say uh, a Trump supporter or Trump would go, let's just narrow it down more to him. It would be, oh well, we had heard that you acted this way towards this person. Y- yeah, I did it because these people are supposed to be this way, or you know, because people are this way, they deserve to be treated this way. It's like, oh well, then you're definitely going to get the responses that you're getting because <laughs> you're acting like a petulant three-year-old. You know? Yeah. But honestly, I mean, imagine if, okay, what happened between uh, him and Billy Bush, right? That whole thing. Right. Uh, on, on the bus and it being recorded and then not knowing, you know, hot mics. Imagine if after that came out, because Billy Bush has been eerily silent, or expectedly silent, rather. Uh, let's sit, imagine that after that, Donald Trump said, you know what? Yes. Uh, I was on a bus with a, 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 a commentator and we were waiting for another person that we were supposed to do an interview with that I was having lascivious comments about. They were horribly inappropriate. And I cannot guarantee that I will not do it again. But what we need to be talking about is why someone like myself in the position that I'm in where I judge and or appoint people to be judges of people who are contestants in beauty pageants, why I feel the need to exude my libido anytime I'm around other people of my same gender. It's, it's a it's a con, compensatory. I'm sorry. Is that the word? It's, 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 it's compensation. Oh yes. He's trying to offset that. Right, right. But that's what I'm saying. See, the fact that he's not capable or not willing to allow for that amount of self-reflection, either in the public or in the private eye, shows that he's even that much more of the embodiment of conserving ideals and not growing. And that in itself shows that outside of the situation, outside of the, the circumstance, 
that he, any individual could be demonized for, but he's being demonized for, he shouldn't be a candidate that's allowed to go forward. I say that because his the person that's his quote-unquote running, his candidate, rival, I was going to say running mate, and that's clearly not the right term, uh, is his rival, Hillary Clinton, her husband, Bill Clinton, <laughs> was the subject of his own uh, problems, as it were, in the 90s. Right. And after that, as you know, there's a gigantic building in Harlem <laughs> that a lot of businesses operate out of, operate out of very positively. And it's positively contributed back to the community. The Clinton Foundation has done a lot of great things, not only for the country, but for the world. To the tune of, if I'm not mistaken, billions of dollars. So it shows that after a situation that is a personal indiscretion, depending on how you handle it in the public eye, the public will allot a certain amount of forgiveness. The reason why that's important is because nobody's perfect. And the moment, the moment you have some kind of individual that's supposed to represent you come off as this version of perfection, it becomes incredibly dangerous. Because the moment they're tarnished, you could be destroyed as a person. Case in point, Michael Jackson or Bob Dole. Bob Dole. (laughs) I mean, he was a spokesperson for Viagra. I'm sure that crushed a lot of people that were Bob Doleans. Uh... But <laughs> Bob Dolorific. Mm-hmm. It's Dolorific. Doltastic. Um, I, he should have been a spokesperson for Dole Bananas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have been all kinds of puns and, and dual marketing. Yeah, there, there's, there's a fucking missed opportunity there. And if they put a condom on it, it could have included, included Trojans. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, seriously, it's, it's just, it's funny because just because one or just specifically myself, just because I realized, like, oh, it's a charade. This this whole electing anyone to do anything. Yeah. Whether it's the president or the mayor or prom queen. It doesn't matter. But because there's really nothing else to do in life, you structure life around that. Okay. Okay. So... If you don't want that to matter anymore, you have to structure life around other things. And if you decide to structure your life around other things, you have to make sure that life continues to work for not only yourself, but everyone else. So if people say, oh, the president doesn't matter, or elections don't matter, or the government doesn't matter, and you decide to supplant it with something else, you have to make sure that Netflix continues to exist, that Pepsi and Coca-Cola continue to exist as choices as well as companies, that people can go to McDonald's or Burger King or Arby's, or Chipotle, or make a salad at home. They have to be able to do all those things. And in order for those things to exist, there has to be this commingling of business. And the only way there can be a commingling of business is if there's incentives, not for the ideal of a business to keep going forward, because that's always going to happen. Someone's going to have some crazy crackpot idea for a business. (laughs) Case in point, two thumbs pointed at myself, for a business to move forward. The thing that needs to exist is someone's gumption to get up in the morning on Monday and go to work even though they right. own that company and a lot okay. of times that thing is that carrot of oh well, one day you can be running this company so we then create these specters of well somehow you can run this company or run a company how do you do that well we'll make the society a certain way that it puts the tools in place for you to do that whether it's turning into a more conservative or a more liberal society. And maybe 
changing the mindset of people away from, oh, you need to be building this path for yourself, and more, you need to be living in a collaborative lifestyle with everyone else, is a mindset to get people around. And having them get around it knowing that you're not going to revert to some Flintstones era <laughs> society, but the exact opposite, you're going to keep shooting into the future and or decide to go live in the woods or live in the suburbs and everything is exactly the way that it is, uh, but that things aren't going to irrevocably change negatively if you change your reason for getting up in the morning. Well, here's the thing. People, people seem to think that if they change... Like you said, their motivation in life, um, it's going to change life itself mm-hmm. because people, and, you know, whether it's, you know, movies, media, the news, it's, you're inundated with this ideal that like humans are so important that any one decision we make will change this entire planet. Mm-hmm. Um, not that as a collective, we couldn't change it, but that you individually are going to change everything. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like if everybody has like a, okay, you know, isn't it better that we have things and, and. We progress in a way that if you want to make the decision to live in the woods, you can. Or if you want to live in, you know, a, a metropolis, you can. If you want to mm. live in a suburb where it's like a mixture of, you know, access to the city and, you know, distance from, you know, all the hustle and bustle, you can have that as well. You know, like there's mm. there's so many options when you think progressively and you think in the sense of like moving forward and making making positive and measured steps mm. in a mm. direction. But I feel like there are people that are like, no, I like exactly where I am. I want to stay in that place. And if there's somebody who says it can keep me in the place that I'm at, great. And it's like, right. But if you stagnate, I mean, stagnation, uh, you know, uh, um, God, what the fuck is the other word? Like decomposite. Like there's there's so much uh, mm. atrophy that happens when you're like, no, I'm going to stay exactly where I am. It's going to be exactly what it's always been. It's like, right. But if it's exactly what it's always been and it stays that way forever, then nothing ever changes. And then all of the issues that you currently have with things are never going to get better. Like you might feel like things are changing in a way that you don't feel like is one, uh, like is the most productive or it's going in the direction that you want, but it's at least going in a direction. Mm. You saying you want things to stay exactly how they are or revert back to ways that they were before. One, they're not going to revert back. Two, if they stay the way they are, you're still going to be frustrated. And at some point you're going to hit another wall where you're like, damn, I wish you could change things. And you could have been on that path previously. If you had just been like, you know what? If I just start changing things now, just like with anything else, decide you want to work out, you want to eat better. You want to go back to school. If you start at the moment, you're like, hey, I'm going to make the decision to do that thing and I'm going to start right now. It will get done sooner than if you're like, well, I'll wait until the situation makes itself available for me. Right. It's like, right. But that could be like 30 years from now. And then by the time you actually get it done, it's another like 10 years. And then you're either retired or, God forbid, dead. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and then it's like, then what was the point? Like, you didn't get anything accomplished. Or something. Jesus Christ, they yell. <laughs> God. Well. Yeah, hey, hey, the system, right? Um, I think that's yeah. that's that's part of it, though. That what you you touched on it that that fear, changing because you're afraid of either you know things are going to change for me, or okay, here's a nice, sexy, touchy subject. Um, when you look at people that self divide into either conservative or liberal camps. And then you introduce a new idea to a married couple. If you take that new idea to heart, or they decide to put it into practice, it could have the potential to change the dynamic of that couple. That's okay. that's something that could cause a lot of, if not fear, at the very least, consternation for at the very least one individual in that couple. 
and could be a reason that could cause reticence for someone to not ingest that idea <laughs> or even want to accept that concept. Uh, whether it's uh, the, the benefits or detractions of polygamy or monogamy or the benefits and detractions of having one kid or five or zero or the benefits and detractions of living in the city or living in the suburbs or living in the countryside or moving around all the time because one person's in the military. You know, when you, when you introduce that idea, and again, I say it's where you, as, as that family unit, you already exist. And then somebody else, either it's, you know, another person or just another couple comes along and introduces like, Hey, this is how we live our life. If that couple goes away from that and just, and doesn't know how to process that information and continue to move forward on the path they already are on, that could irrevocably cause a schism betwixt the two because there could be one person who then gets it. Like, oh, that's how they live their life, and that's totally cool, but I'm going to keep doing what I was doing. And then the other person be like, wait, so now does the other person that I'm with want to do that? Or does the other person that I'm with think that all that stuff is crazy hogwash? And I think it's cool, but I can't tell them that it's cool. Right. You know? And it's perhaps there has to be either a thing or things that allow people to come to some kind of relaxed state where they can more easily accept different people's different people's ideals or ideals you know so when they come across somebody that's you know perhaps of a a certain muslim belief or is um a mormon one of the mormon uh beliefs because I, I want to say there's at least two um where polygamy is accepted they can accept that individual as a person and and try and see where all their other ideas are coming from and process those ideas because they know that they stem from somewhere else and they just accepted them because they happen to be someone that follows the tenets of a polygamist before they completely discredit them because they are a polygamist you know that's just an example. I mean, you could just as easily substitute the noun polygamist for, or I'm sorry, the noun polygamy, right? I had that so wrong. No. Polygamist yeah, is a noun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The noun polygamist for um, Jewish or uh, Baha'i. You know, it's it's just you know, oh well, now this person is a you know a terrorist from the Philippines. And I'm not going to listen to anything they say. Like, okay, no, no, no. It's like, it's totally right. Yeah, by the law, <laughs> this person is is killing people and or has killed people and or plans to kill people. But to completely discredit them as a human being makes absolutely no sense morally. No sense. And, and that's whether you're just a citizen or a lawyer for the prosecution or the defense. So you have to take into account like, oh, okay, so they came from a family of ten. Or a family of zero because they were an orphan. Or it was, a, you know, just their moms and their pops and a, and a sister. Or they came from a broken home. Or they went to a completely affluent, uh, went to an affluent school in an affluent neighborhood. Or they went to a public school system. Or they dropped out. Or they were homeschooled. You know, all these factors come into play and are important in trying to figure out why people do the things that they do. And... The only way you can do that is to progressively keep moving forward in your own path of personal understanding. Right. That can only 
engender fear in someone that is, you know, uh, reticent of the kind of person they'll become once they accept that, oh, wow, a person that would do the things that they did, like this hypothetical Filipino, <laughs> or the, 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 the things that this person would do as this hypothetical Utah uh, citizen <laughs> of the Mormon faith uh, would do, that if I was that person, I'd do those same things. Yeah, okay. that scares crap out of people. It's the exact same argument that people were making in the Bush era on both sides of what's the difference between a terrorist and a patriot? You know, how, how is it that somebody that's in a country that says they're fighting for their country and is willing to fight against someone else that's fighting against their country, how can they not be considered a patriot if that's what we call our individuals? Well, the answer to that is, well, because they have different ideals. Well, that's the exact same argument that both sides are saying. Bush was saying, oh, they have different ideas from us. And the Democrats are saying, we don't like the Republicans because they have different ideas than us. So if you're saying the exact same thing, then you have to really reevaluate what the battle is that you're having with each other. Is it against the ideas of these people that you're saying you have problems with, or is it the system in general? And if there's a problem with the system in general, then it's a matter of what you do with that system, not necessarily breaking it down and taking it apart or completely disregarding somebody because they just saw the system lying around and said, hey, I'll, I'll use it this way. Right. Yeah. But again, it's just, it's, it's, uh, I hate to sinestroize all of this, but it, it really is all in the, in the realm of fear. It's just people having one fear or another and operating on that because if they didn't operate on that fear, they'd be forced to either 1% or 100% change. Okay. And, and that change is, is dangerous. And and it goes to what I was saying earlier about these documentaries that I was watching that, you know, I we've talked about The Matrix as much as anyone could possibly, if not more. Um, and I'm sure thought about it that much more and seen them even more. Um, and, and have gotten it as much as we've gotten it. You know what I mean? But it was just saying the same thing in a different way allowed for seeing it in a different way. So it wasn't so much that new things were revealed, but it was just kind of out, just kind of outline, outlining what the intent was, you know. So all this time kind of going through it under the, the auspices of, oh, they never really codified what it was that their intentions were for the story. They just kind of talked about the first movie, you know, outside of the film, and a little bit of the second, and then didn't give a real definition of what the ending was for the third movie. And then after everything that I've watched that includes interviews with them, if not full-on, like an hour and a half, two-hour discussion with them, they full-on, everything is all there. It's just that, like with any piece of art, people are putting their own impressions upon it and assuming that something else is coming out of it. Um, but, you know, as we've talked about before, how it's just, you know, the, the first one is, hey, wake up. And the, the individual wakes up and sees, hey, something's broken here. So in the span between those, uh, the, the first and second film, and then in the second film, it's, oh, I got to take all this stuff down because it's all broken. This is all broken. And then finding out, oh, oh, no, no, no. It's been broken for hundreds of years or maybe five years. Who knows? But there's absolutely nothing you can do about this. You're completely overpowered. And being seeing that in the machines taking over Zion, 
or seeing that in just what John in the third movie, what John looked, uh, I'm sorry, the scorched earth looked like. It's like, oh no, this is the fate that we are resigned to, and then just I need to go back into the system. That's the story that I saw, you know. That was the beginning, middle, and end, and it made sense, you know. Um, but to see that another level of it was that it was through and through a messianic love story that it was challenging the concept of what a messiah is that normally somebody that male or female the savior of a people they love the people and the concept that they spoke about here which is crazy they had in the interviews that were from like 2000 and 2001 they approached Joel Silver with the trilogy in 1995 so I was under the assumption they came to them with the Matrix and then just came up with two and three. They truly had it all written down. It was just my willingness to see it one way or another. Um, they figured instead of having the typical Messiah like Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or anybody, Gandhi, that they love the people, what happens if the Messiah is presented with, you're the Messiah, but they love themselves and they love someone else, just one person. And it's codified, and this is what one of them talks about, Larry, I believe, uh, talks about, uh, that in the second film, when all the people are like, hey, Neil's here, da da and he's just like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I'm going to go with Trinity, and we're going to go fuck. And that's what the essence of the second movie is, and he brings it back to life. He makes a choice of either I can save Zion or bring her back to life, and he, knowing that if he brings her back to life, it's going to destroy everything, and it's just that played out in Revelations. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Revolutions. Um, no, Matrix Revelations. That's yeah, fine. yeah, that 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 Freudian slip is purposeful. Um, but that it, the the entire story has this underlying tinge of, oh no, he's a Messiah. But what would happen if the Messiah was the Antichrist? What if the Antichrist that's being perceived is in reality the Christ, is the Savior? That the, Agent Smith is the one maintaining order and trying to get rid of the virus and has been talking about trying to get rid of the virus the entire time and being sick of having to be the one to get rid of the virus every single iteration of this world. And as an audience member, and say myself or anyone else, putting the impression on it as the exact opposite, kind of. Like still hearing the same messages, like, oh, he's sick of it, and it's a, humans are a virus and all that, but that and all that, he's the villain. And it's like, no, throughout this entire thing, Agent Smith is Jesus or Gandhi or Muhammad trying to maintain the system but bring peace by getting rid of the bad thing that's breaking things up. And the bad thing that's breaking things up is not trying, and that's where it flips, is not trying to save the people. The people around him are, Morpheus is and Trinity is, but he's just concerned with Trinity. He doesn't want to be in the Matrix. He wants to stay outside the Matrix in Zion and chill with Trinity. And the repercussions of that are the Matrix will continue. And the, the problem with that is he commits suicide. He gives himself over to that in the second film. Just realizes, like, oh, this... I mean, the other thing they show, all those faces on the room, in the room uh, when he's talking to the architect. Yes, we all, and I'm sure you remember, when at a certain point they focus. Instead of like, oh, fuck you, blah, blah, they, they, they all stop doing that. They all stop doing that once he's presented with the choice and the character realizes oh no, I'm not going to save Zion, I'm going to go save Trinity. It's not all these different iterations of Neo that has tried to do this before, because as I said, there's only been six, so there should only be seven screens total. 
there's like a hundred screens. What it's showing is all these potential universes, all these thoughts that he's having of, oh, these are all the ideas that I could have about what I could possibly do. But when I'm presented with all the information of what the matrix is and what could possibly happen, I make the singular choice of, I need to be happy. I don't care about Zion. It's all about the the quest for uh, self. Right. And, but that's the thing. I think that's what happened, that subconsciously people didn't like it for that reason, that they were, were still relating to the story. That they thought they didn't like it because they weren't relating to it anymore. But in reality, they were. I mean, look at it. You have people that in 1999 make The Matrix, and Matrix of Evolutions comes out in, I think, 2003, 2004. There's an event that happened in American history that I don't even need to talk about that happened in that time period. Well, there's two, and I'll say George Bush being elected was one of those two things. <laughs> I just don't want to be on a, put on a watch list. That's not, I'm not saying two numbers. Uh, but um, fuck it. 9-11 happened. And how could you have The Matrix come out conceptually seven years before that, but come out as a film two years before that? And then after the fact, after you, you have this concept of you need to wake up and get beyond this idea that all your systems of control are good for you, have what happens happens in the world and then we start getting Paris Hilton and and you know the real world takes off even more and becomes real world 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 challenges and then you have jackass one two and 3d you know uh, all these things that just keep happening you know Donald Trump just keeps staying Donald Trump gets a show called celebrity apprentice and the apprentice uh, it does all does all these things and then you still have this this story unfolding of oh, okay so you're supposed to wake up but the system is the way that it is because it has to keep going oh okay do I have a better way of living for everybody because everybody seems to be pretty cool with it you know everybody that's quote unquote living in the matrix is happy with their stakes nobody else is willing to get out and all the people that are willing to get out once they get out they just want to party they don't yeah. want to work. They'd much rather have machines continuing to compact their trash and purify their water instead of having to dig a ditch for a well. <laughs> Just because, you know, it saves time. But they'd rather be quote-unquote free than a slave. But in any of those choices, what makes you believe that you made those choice, Those the, any of those choices? You know, why can't you realize that the choices were presented to you? And if the question then is if the... The, the, if the question is then the, 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 the choices were presented to you are you supposed to try and find out who presented the choices to you are you supposed to make a choice at all and walk away from all of the choices and make no decision or are you supposed to make a choice and be aware of the fact that you made a choice and there's someone making the decisions available, not for you, but available to you or are you supposed to ignore it keep your head down and then just keep watching American Idol you know and that's the thing and then at the same token if any of those choices you make as a human being not attempting to gain the reins of power any of those choices that you make who says that any of those choices are wrong right you know that's that's the weird thing is it's only recently history wise that individuals like yourself and myself could uh, wax poetic about things like this not only at this time of day <laughs> given the time zones but just at all because we're black you know 
as you said, a hundred years ago. We just we, the concept, just quantum physics and causality and uh, politics and whomever would be running for politics and just the ideas of different lifestyles, putting all of those different things together and trying to make it a, a, a cogent thesis on how a human being could move from one moment to the <laughs> next. Gesundheit. <laughs> how we can even have this kind of theorizing is amazing. But to the, the, the thought that like, oh, well, the fact that you can do that, you're supposed to then take that information and become cynical or nihilistic and destroy things for everyone just because you can destroy things. That it's starting to make less and less sense to me. It doesn't mean I'm becoming conservative in any way, shape or form or Republican or whatever you want to call it. It just means that I feel like there's a time and a place for everything. Like you, you're not supposed to just swing a, a sword wildly. Just, just as well as you're not supposed to keep it in the sheath at all times. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a time and a place for a war. I did not mean for that to be a, a, a phallic pun. <laughs> that was more supposed to be a callback to the Hagakure um, way of samurai. Um, and, and keeping your, your sword oiled. There's a passage in there, and I always forget the exact page that is on, but uh, that's what it talks about, is just the, the keeping your sword, the, the, the process of keeping your sword clean, but at the end of it, it talks about that, just, you know, if if you keep it in the scabbard all the time, it's going to get rusty, and if you keep it out all the time, it's going to get brittle and chipped and all that jazz, so there, there has to be some kind of balance, you know, and you can apply that to everything in life, you not only have to use it when you need to use it, but you need to clean for it, or clean it, and so that you're taking care of it, you need to talk about it so people know that it's a deadly weapon. And at the same token, let people know like it's not really a deadly weapon. It's cool and it's decorative, and I keep it on my mantle place, you know. And at the same token, know that there's a time and a place to talk about it in the first place, if at all, you know. And and I think that kind of logic can be applied to so many things. And the problem is once you start applying that kind of logic to things and and to people's individual lives it starts uh, consternating a bit of um, animosity within them or fear of like I said you know oh, I might have to change if I tell my friends that I didn't vote for Trump because it it just it made me laugh like I just started laughing in the voting booth or I didn't vote for him honestly because I I have friends that are of a different race and if what he says actually happened they wouldn't be here anymore you know what I mean? Like, it just, you know, or anything else that someone could be thinking, you know. Um, it's just, it's it's crazy that, I, I guess it's people acting in, in a concerted effort to stoke those flames of fear. Because I'm acting oblivious. It's just because I don't watch the news as much anymore. I, right. I, I look at Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds and then just read news articles. Um, I don't, just because people don't normally do it. I don't really have that many political conversations in the public, you know? Yeah, I don't either. I try not to. You know? Yeah, I try not to, but at the same time, it's not like I hear other people engendering those conversations, you know? Um, so it's just the, the way that I see it, it's like, no, I think there's a lot of people like banging the drum of fomentation and, and that, that it just depends on the melody, what you're fomenting. And, and they're just beating a, a beat of, oh, don't trust that person you don't know. You know, and then that can embody, you know, like, oh, somebody lives 3,000 miles away or somebody that you see at the local Target. You know, like, they're not your family. They're not your friends. 
there's somebody else. They're trying to take your job. They're trying to take your house. They're trying to take the water away from your city. They're trying to make all the food genetically modified, or they're trying to make all the food organic. You know, like it's it's whatever it is that they put at the end of that thing. There's just different. I want to say I guess it must be non-profit organizations that will then fund commercials or fund uh, different political candidates. Uh, and I I just I don't understand what the reasoning behind it is, and I and I don't ascribe to the conspiracy theory concept. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, that's too wild. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The concept of there must be an Illuminati out there is ridiculous to me because there's two sides to every coin. So, if there's a negative force that's using some kind of religious, quote-unquote, power to drum up demonic entities or spirits or energy or power to exact their force upon the world or power, then that means, like I said, by proxy, there is holy or angelic or benevolent or benign power that could be used against said powers to overcome it that is not being used. Yeah. And that by proxy... It's it's being grossly underutilized. Yeah, exactly. And it means, I might sound like I'm belittling it, but that by proxy means that it doesn't exist. Because you and I have both been to church for over a decade, and it fills you with great feelings, but it could be equated either on a scientific or quantum physics level to just a feeling of elation equated to the releasing of endorphins, the, the, the feeling of camaraderie with friends and family, you know, or complete strangers, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not negating. It just it makes you feel good. But that in itself doesn't mean that out of the hundred percent of people that are ascribing to one faith or another point oh 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 one percent of them can tap into this power that allows them to uh call forth angels to fight demons that you can manifest in front of you and see that can then cause someone to die or live or for you to become a billionaire to run a country right i'm not saying that's not plausible or plausible what i'm saying is it's impossible It's utterly impossible because it opens up floodgates. It opens up floodgates. To equate it, Howard Kramer on Who Charted, his theory, and it makes me laugh, is ghosts can't exist exist because if they did, that one old lady ghost that everyone keeps seeing that they see would have like all her 20 or 30 friends in that same house because it would be her and then someone from 100 years before and then someone from 100 years before and then someone from 1,000 years before who doesn't even know what a house is who's just walking around in circles, like, door? What? This person keeps saying this is a door. You know, it would literally be a sitcom in every single house of just ghosts. And no one would be able to live anywhere because this planet would be riddled with billions of ghosts of people who lived and died. Because they had to. Because life goes on. Yeah. So it we, does... didn't, we didn't, we didn't <laughs> just start. Yeah, we, we didn't just occur in the, since we were born. And that's the whole Descartes or Kantian belief system, we can go into that or not, of oh, uh, I exist, and that's kind of all that matters. Like, I exist, so that's all I know. That's just the first step. But because, again, it's the whole fear thing. It's like, oh, well, you know, I know that. The moment I start to take into account, like, wait, I exist, and that person realizes they exist, and they realize they exist, holy crap. That's that's uh, a lot to take in, you know. So, yeah, the, this concept, like, oh, well, you know, I saw this ghost this one time. It's like, yes, well, they could possibly exist. But if they did exist there would be billions of ghosts. And if everyone 
was completely incapable of seeing the ghosts, and only one person was capable of seeing them, then there's something wrong with society. And then we need to investigate that in itself. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to keep going down that thought process, but you can't say, oh, well, you know, there's the one ghost, so there's a couple of ghosts. No. <laughs> if there was one ghost, there'd be some crazy Ghostbuster shit going on in this world. And no one would get any sleep ever. Yeah. You know what? And I, I had a I had a conversation with somebody before and I told them that uh because people have talked about that before, like, oh, if there are ghosts, why aren't there more? Because more people have died. And I was like, What if the reason why people are dealing with it like schizophrenia and all that kind of stuff now or it's being talked about now more than it was before is because the like breakdown of dimensional barriers between when you your energy transitions from uh oh god i'm gonna fuck this up basically the matter like the state it's in in the human body and yeah. expanded, shifting vibrations just going from one yeah. plane of existence to another yeah i mean what look is, that goes to something else i've thought about which is you know maybe people are going crazy or things are seeming weirder now because of the the, the m theory or string theory, the concept of there are alternate uh, dimensions that are caused by altering decisions. You come to a fork in the road. Should I make a left or should I make a right? You, t <laughs> Doctor Who reference, you turn right and everything goes to shit. But if you had to turn left, totally different universe, everything's cool. Everything plays out the way that you would like things to have played out. But it, whether you turn right or left, it doesn't mean that one disappears and one stays. The fact that you exist and the fact that you can make two choices and the fact that you make a choice means that the other choice exists as well. And that creates a funny little quandary that I don't believe is talked about enough, which is if I, Nick, can be making choices in my life and even if I insulate myself and only make one choice outside of my house a day, then that means 365 universes are created every single year by me. And that's not a selfish thought. That's extrapolating string theory. Now, if you take even into a larger account, let's say my ability to speak in a cogent manner throughout this conversation, <laughs> sarcasm, or a version of Nick that could have been plain spoken and had no gaps in his speech, those two universes exist as well. That's two choices that were compounded by all the decisions I've made in my life that allowed me to think the way that I do and speak the way that I do. Okay. And then also, my decision to have as much Diet Cherry 7-Up as I drank today, juxtaposed with the amount of water that I drank today. Those, there's two different versions of Nick. They, it actually, it could be an infinite amount of Nicks in different universes. Versions that had three different bottles of water. Versions that had two different. Versions that had four different bottles. Versions that only drank Diet Cherry 7-Up. A version that went for a jog today because that Nick jogs. All that's possible given not only the fictional conjecture we've been given with Doctor Who, or the movie The One starring Jet Li and Jason Statham, uh, or any kind of weird philosophical pondering that people have made over the millennia. All that's possible. If it's possible, then that means 7 billion other people are possible, or capable of making thousands, if not millions, if not billions of universes a year. And because we keep creating more and more of a population, we might not ever get to a point where we realize it in this universe and it stays conjecture and philosophy and theory but it could be irrevocably damaging if we believe in the concept the multiverse 
this theory that we have all these dimensions lined up next to each other with all these versions of ourself coexisting with other versions of other people making decisions. And when they make a decision, it causes a vibration that causes another universe to spawn into existence and or vibrate into the, 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 the shared reality space of all those other dimensions. Yes, this is quantum physics, but you get me. That causes a real multiversal existential problem for every single human being in existence because you have that potentiality because you have to allow for potentialities in this scenario of the barriers breaking down and things starting to make less and less sense. Okay. More chaos. And I don't mean that in a sense like, oh, people are going to be more anar um, anarchic, you know, being allowed for more anarchy. I don't mean that. You know, like, oh, more anonymous or more people just Molotov cocktails. I don't mean that. I mean, in a sense of weird um, spatial anomalies, you know, like scientists talking about seeing weird stuff uh, when they're looking through, you know, a Hubble telescope or different yeah. satellites or at the uh, uh, Large Hadron Collider at CERN. Um, just observing phenomena they were they were not expecting to observe or things they were hoping would never observe and then they actually do and it's not as uh, evil or maleficent as they expected you know all those things could be a result of we continue to create vessels of perception that are capable of creating at the very least <laughs> 365 dimensions a year and because we don't ever think about the concept of dimensions on a day-to-day -day basis, we relegate it to, oh, that's crazy conspiracy theory, but every credible scientist is working on it right now. That, that causes a little bit of concern as well. For me, philosophically speaking. Well, what do you think on it? I don't know. No, no, I get what you're saying. Does it sound, I mean, I, I mean, it may sound like it falls in the realm of conspiracy theory like I was just discounting earlier. But I don't live my life under the auspices of, oh no, there's dimensions out there, and don't you see that thing over there? There's some evidence of the dimensions falling apart, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and it's not to purposely denigrate people who believe in one conspiracy theory or another, but it's just to say, once you start taking into account people's not only conspiracy theories, but other people's belief systems, or lack thereof, you know, right. and putting them on the same playing field, and saying, okay, now I need to start not only emotionally processing this and scientifically processing this, but philosophically processing it and doing that through the prism of quantum mechanics so that you can try and reconcile not only the sun in our solar system, but the electrons within us all and saying that there's this correlation between the two and then you can start to make other correlations between other things. Uh, it starts to make all of the worries that most people have seem moot in comparison right you know <laughs> well, i mean you can you can you can do that in pretty much any situation and yeah. make somebody's uh concerns seem like you said like moot like to make them seem uh i don't say inconsequential but kind of inconsequential like if you talk to somebody and you're like okay well, here's all the stuff that's going on. Here are all the things that I'm thinking. Mm. Like, here's here's the way that I exist. Here's here's the person that I am. And then you kind of uh, wax, uh, I don't say problems, but problems with somebody. You can tell and and explain to someone things in a way that will make them think, "Oh man, like my life can't be that bad because I don't have." Let's just say, okay, so like, mm. okay, 
and I'm just using like examples because I, I do this a lot with everybody. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say I was talking to somebody and I was like, okay, I wanted to explain to somebody why my life is more complicated or more stressful than someone else's. And someone's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I don't have a job, right? Okay. So then I'm like, okay, so how can I make that person feel like my situation is worse? And it was, I was like, oh, well, I'm a police officer and like, you've seen the way that, you know, people's views are towards police officers, people get shot. And I'm a black police officer. So, you know, not only on duty do I have that fear, but then off duty, I could also have that fear because I'm a black male and I'm, you know, six foot tall, but I look intimidating and I wear hoodies all the time. So like, it's getting colder so I could get shot. They would know I was police. And like, oh, and like, I could rationalize it and I could talk people into a fear where they'd be like, wow, like your situation is so much worse. Or like your perspective. Right. And that, I kind of feel like that's all it is, like people's perspectives on things. But it's like, I don't, I don't want to live my life. And I know that some people do and some people are more comfortable in it. But I, I, not, I try not to live my life mm. because I don't want to live my life in a place where I'm always trying to rationalize how bad the things are for me to explain why I act the way that I do and I don't try and move uh, myself in a position or into a place that's more positive and move myself above those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, I always try and um, I was trying to put myself in a position where it's like, okay, yeah, there may be things that have happened to me. Yeah, there may be things that are negative or there may be things that I don't like, but I'm going to do every single thing that I can each and every day to make my uh, my existence, my reality that much better. Not because or in spite of the people that are around me. Because, yeah, I could say like, oh, well, like these, these certain um, – uh, uh, forms of control or these these certain uh, situations are in place and they're keeping me from having dot, dot, dot. It's like, yeah, I mean, you could do that. But, I mean, if you're going to do that, then why are you trying at anything? Mm-hmm. Like, you're always going to, regardless of your situation, come up with a rationalization as to why things are so bad or why people aren't doing things for you or things aren't happening the way that you want to. I could have a million dollars and be like, oh, it's not right that, like, I took all this time and I came up from, you know, being homeless at one point to now I have, you know, millions of dollars. Now i got to pay all these taxes. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a black man and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, I've, I've fought for blah, blah, blah. Like, what about reparations? Like, I could, I, you could do that forever. Yeah. If you're going to victimize yourself and put yourself into a perspective of like there's always going to be negativity then you'll always be able to fight because it's always there like, there's so much negativity out there mm-hmm. you can always latch on to it. i understand that the positivity is more difficult like the very much the like star wars anecdotal like the uh dark side is easier than the light side mm-hmm. like falling to the dark side is easy because there's dark side in everybody the light side is hard because it's the conscious decision to move away from the neg- move away from the negativity mm. and start going towards like, a, okay, well, here are the things that I'm trying to do. Okay. So, um, I'm going to do and like, I'm going to make it a better tomorrow for myself mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't say it's difficult, but like, it's crazy because I've been having a lot of, like we were talking about it the other day and like the, Oh, we should, we should, uh, start doing podcasts or, 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 uh, YouTube videos or whatever and like have these discussions and stuff. And I think we should, because I genuinely, I don't script anything that we say, obviously. Yeah. So I wouldn't, it doesn't not make, that wouldn't make any remember, sense, but that, that, that the conversation would take the exact same turn and tone mm. as we talk. It's not guaranteed because there's a lot of stream of consciousness that both of us do. Yeah. So I feel like both of us, like I'm trying to figure out right now, because I've been trying to do research on, like, microphones. Mm. Like, which one, like, what cheap microphone would be the best to do, like, recording audio. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, I could just hold my phone up to my computer and just record oh. me talking to you or whatever. I'll say this. Uh, I'll say this. Going to what you were just saying about the whole, like, once you find something out and it goes to what I was saying earlier about the Matrix and, and the path of Neo, <laughs> pun intended, as it were, and kind of how hilarious now that ending was that they made, if you remember. <laughs> or they're like, hey, everybody right. wanted explosions, so here you go. We thought we did everything, but whatever. Um, 
once you grow, it then becomes, do you save Zion? Do you go to the one that you love? Or do you just kill yourself? And not kill yourself, like, for real, but, like, your ego. Like, get rid of the version of yourself that was like, well, I'm aspiring to get this new Lexus. Or I'm aspiring to get this mansion. Or I want to be a multi-billion dollar record producer, you know? Like, it, it doesn't mean that you have to stop doing any of those things or start or continue to do those things. Um, it's just a matter of if you decide to do the thing, are you okay with yourself with that decision? Yeah, and, and are you are you okay with the fact that maybe you didn't make that decision, but that decision was laid out for you, whether it's because you're a particular race or you were born into a certain family or you have a certain mental aptitude that you can't escape from, whether it's you're highly intelligent or you're not, or you're just intelligent or you're middle of the road or you're below average, like wherever you fall in the spectrum, there's so many factors that fall into place that preclude your decision-making abilities. And once you get to a place where you can reconcile with the choice that you've made, are you willing to be okay with continuing to make that decision every day and using that as a motivating factor to move you forward? And with the second point you were saying, full disclosure, I've been recording not only the first conversation we had, but the second one. Because I wanted to say and do it the way that uh, I had said before, which is we need to just have conversations, and the best way to do that is to just have a conversation on the iPad and I just record it on the phone. Um, so the way that it would be edited, cause you know, this is staying in the episode is you'd be like, yeah, so, um, this is what I would or wouldn't want to keep <laughs> in the episode. And that's what it would or wouldn't stay in it. Um, and, or it could just be an entire combo. Like there's gonna be parts of this that I'm probably going to cut out because it's me talking about the next film but I'm keeping this part of the conversation in because it teases the audience, you know, it makes them like, Oh, maybe there's a missing episode where we could have that uh, Easter egg or whatever. But it's more about the conversations we have about whatever it is. that's perplexing us at the moment, which just, you know, for me currently, it was just, I'm getting ready to go help people vote. And knowing that like, I'm not going to try cause it's illegal. It really is illegal, but I'm not going to try and persuade anyone in one way, shape or form. I'm just looking forward to seeing all the people coming out and exercising their ability to try and make their lives a version of what they believe to be right. Right. And then seeing after the fact what actually happens, you know, especially given all the weird state measures and all that jazz. And then that just kind of going with everything I've been researching for the next film and all that jazz. But yeah, no, um, a lot of the things that are with the, the last point you just made, a lot of the things that are put up as, ways to put out quote unquote a perfect episode whether it's a television episode or movie installment movie installment film <laughs> that sounded so corporate um or a podcast episode uh we're all led to believe that you have to have the highest levels of equipment and it's very true but i'm using an iphone 6s to record a conversation in an ipad 3 nice via a conversation over facetime with another individual using an Apple product. Uh, that's pretty first world. And it's not top of the line products, but the first uh, the first episode I recorded for the newest podcast that I'd set up, which this will be for, which is Molteno, uh, was with Kamal. I don't even think I had the conversation with you about that. Because he's doing this yeah. wild stuff politically in New York. And I just saw it on Facebook. And I was like, wait, what? 
And he was like, hey, man, what's up? And I was like, no, no, hold on. <laughs> you, no, tell, tell him to call me. Yeah, I was like, wait, you're doing this? And he was like, yeah, man. I was like, yo, I'm doing, I'm, I, I'm closing out all these other podcasts I'm do, I did before. I want to have a convo with you, but I'm going to record the conversation. Can we make it a podcast? He was like, yeah, man, can I FaceTime you? I was like, yep, that's how we're doing it. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. And we talked for like two hours and I edited it down and it was just promoting everything he's trying to do. But at the same token, talking about the state of the world and film and that's the point of the podcast. Molteno is a collective of art and culture and the state of the world. Right. You know, and the best, I, I'm just figuring that it, things have to mold, things have to change, like the concept of everything we're talking about today. And I really want to engender more, you know, or foster more conversations between the two of us. Because despite these thousands of miles of distance, right. we it doesn't have to be that way. Right, right, Telephonically. Yeah, I mean, the, you know what I mean? Literally the, literally, the phones and the, the devices we have can traverse the distance. Yeah, you know? And not to say that the podcast would be the only reason why we would converse, but it would be something that, at the very least, on a monthly basis, it could be a source of comfort for the two of us where we could bounce ideas off of each other that we don't believe are crazy. We believe to be completely sane, and we just want to check and make sure that that's the case. Right. Yeah. Unless I'm mistaken, right? Yeah, no, we're... No. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, like I said, it's just full disclosure. I mean, as long as you're okay with it, if you're not okay with it, you're like, no, actually, I don't want to put any of this out there. And then I won't. I won't. No, nah, I'm fine with it. Uh, tell Kamal tell, tell, tell to call me. I, I will. I, I, I mean, meant, I'm, I'm going to let you know right now, the last time I spoke to him was when I did that episode. And if I'm not mistaken, I did that episode in June. Okay. I do too much as of late to keep a hanker on that. I could just, I'll look up though in the episodes and I can find out like on iTunes, like, oh, that's when I released the episode. Okay, it was probably like two or three days before <laughs> I talked to him. Um... But uh, it's Facebook thing, so I like I'll Facebook messenger him like, hey, Facebook message Dom or like you know what I mean because I, I guess it's your number because I was gonna say I Facetime you and it's the address book but I guess it's the same number yeah the yeah 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 um yeah yeah, yeah no problem man yeah um but yeah no I just I I, I don't think anyone does anything completely altruistically. You know, I, I think it, it's, it can always be a part and it always should be a part of what you do on a day to day basis to try to make sure that others, someone else is being served kindly or politely by your actions. But as so long as what you're doing isn't taking away from you totally, then you're benefiting, you know, um, and I want to have more conversations with you. And in the same right. token, I do not want to take away from your time with your wife, with your son with your job, with your own just peace and tranquility, like what you do in your own off time. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't want any of that to shift. I want to be able to wedge in, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, no, you, trust me, you, you wouldn't be infringing on anything. So, well, yeah, I just, I just figure like, best way to wedge in, like how we normally do, like, oh, we call each other or we'll text. And it's just now, because I, I get so frantic when I get creative, but it makes me feel good when I'm creative, I make a reason for the creativity uh, I, or rather, I let it be. Oh, I, I want to maintain a contact with you, and then I, I try and be as relaxed as possible as I normally am, and we just talk <laughs> and hope that like other people 
gravitate to this podcast as much as they did to all the rest of the other ones that came out. And I'm right. going to promote them as much as I've been promoting. I haven't talked to you about it just because it's been hitting me in a weird way, but um, Nebula, Akutihileka, the classical album, and Omni, the progressive rock and hip-hop album, those I've been promoting on Instagram and Facebook and have been getting a very comforting, uh, I've been getting a very comforting and positive response. There's an audience for everything, you know, and uh, to horribly paraphrase Jay-Z's musical chronology, you have to have a blueprint for your life. Like, that was just a tenuous link at best. Oh, shit. Um, You got to have a blueprint and you got to have tracks. Like you were saying earlier, digital tracks. And if you want to have good digital tracks, you got to make them. You know, right? And I, I figure the best way to do that is just to keep creating artistic uh, representations of the way that you see the world. And hopefully, we can allow this to be one version of that. Our just semi-weekly or monthly phone calls to each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Man, I really wish that. Like and I hate to, again. Like I hate feeling like I'm making excuses. Mm. But I wish that my schedule was a little bit less like hectic the way it is. Because there are times where it's like I want to be able to call, but whether it's like you're saying, like you know, I have to sleep or I have to be yeah, it's life, man. Or, uh, like it just gets frustrating at times. But yeah, let me let me. <laughs> hey, let life's me, happening, me, right? Life's happening. Yeah, let me let me let me call you. But actually, let me text you. No, I was just gonna say. I just I have things I gotta do. You got things. I love you. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Right. And it's meant, if, if texting happens, we'll text, but I just meant for the call, we'll end up the call. Okay. Have a good one. I love you. Be safe out All there. Right. Eat something healthy and yeah, sleep well. Right. All right, man. <laughs> All right. All right. See you. Later. All right. So that was the second episode of the podcast. Uh, technically, the first of the new transition, but. Who knows, there could be a transition every week, or this is just the way that everything was put into a chrysalis and came out of a beautiful moth. That was for a friend of mine that uh, likes moths over butterflies. Uh, Yeah, I think this is going to be a a co-hosting thing. There is no hosting co-host, just co-hosts. I'm going to talk about all kinds of stuff, but it's going to stay within the realm of the edict of the podcast originally, arts, culture. Um, the things that move us as a society. I could, it, just, it encompasses so much. So I could have anyone as a guest, anything as a topic. It just allows for, hopefully, you as a listener to see things in a different way, more beautiful way, more positive way, as opposed to the plethora of negativity that's out there. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode for real. Um, and if you didn't, I, I feel bad about that because our hope is that we keep putting a lot of love out there. Maybe the next episode will make you feel better, and hell, maybe listening to this one over will make you feel good. Maybe listen to the previous episode. Maybe listen to some music, or go for a walk, or drink some coffee, or some tea, or smoke a cigarette, or smoke a joint, or meditate, or uh, be with a loved one, or be with yourself. Whatever it is that makes you happy, in the most uplifting way possible. It's always about sympathy. I guess it's always about sympathy, mostly. In this instance, as always, it's about empathy. I want to feel with you. I don't want to feel for you. 
nothing against people that say that, that they feel for you. It's a dope song. It's a dope concept, but I want people to know that I don't discredit feelings or emotions. They're very necessary. It's what makes us human as opposed to being absolutely nothing or an automaton. Just existing. I mean, it shows you how much I care for people that don't like the show. I've spoken more to you than to people who are listening to this and are like, why is this the second episode and not the 100th? been a very long year and here's hoping that this particular election doesn't cause people to start to believe that we shouldn't be moving into a more positive future but into a more negative past I don't remember if there was a catchphrase from before I don't really want to operate off the notes anymore I just want to do things differently but I will say what I do kind of say across the internet sphere, be well.